Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of The Story Nook. Today we are going to be reading some more revenge stories. So go ahead, grab yourself a nice warm cup of tea, coffee, cocoa, whatever it is you want, and curl up and join me for some more revenge stories. Our first story today is by DJ Duke of Spook, and it is from the pro-revenge subreddit, and it says, when your ex tells you to move out while she's on a work trip because the guy she cheated on you with is moving in, you get very creative moving out. So, woo. And that is the title, so let us begin reading, because even by that title, you, you, you know some messed up stuff is happening. I had originally posted this as a response to a question in r slash unethical pro-life tips, and was told that this would be appreciated here. Enjoy! I did this to an ex who asked me to move out while she was on a work trip, and told me she was coming back with her new boyfriend. We were still together when she left. I got these little noisemakers, battery-powered ones, the size of a quarter that emits noise at just the right volume that you aren't sure if you really heard it. So quiet that two people could be sitting in an average-sized room, and while one can probably hear it, the other wouldn't hear a thing. They last ages and fit perfectly in light fixtures and in wall outlets. I got a box of 20 of them for like $100 on eBay, and got so creative all over the house. Her car, I even hit them in a boat her father got her, rich family, and she grew up sailing. Now these little bastards make a noise at complete random intervals. Could be minutes, could be hours, could take a whole day off. They cycle noises like children laughing, a dying breath as they call it, a whistle, scratching noises, some other ones I can't remember, but you get the idea. It was so unpredictable, it was near impossible for someone to just figure it out. Months go by, I get a new place, get my life back up. Now, we had a few friends in common and one of them I kept up with. They were kind of sour about how she ended things. But they had grown up together and kept up the friendship, loosely talking and catching up on occasion. I never really asked about her, but one day we get to talking and he's wanting to prank some friends on a camping trip. So I tell him about the noisemakers. As I'm telling him about them, he slowly starts making this face, like he's gradually losing his shit. He's got this huge grin on his face and asks me, You put these in X's shit, didn't you? And when I admit, he starts laughing hysterically. Turns out her new boyfriend had only lasted a few months and had left telling her that he couldn't handle whatever was going on with them and their mental states. Turns out for a while, they, both, they had both heard things and sometimes only one would hear them, which gave the illusion that something really fucked with them was going on in their heads at different times. They couldn't figure it out, and eventually he wanted out completely. And having run down all the crazy list of shit people who are hearing voices would think ended it believing he had been infected with some brain worm from the government. The, 
brainworm that the government was putting in vaccines or something like that. It was amazing. I hadn't expected to hear anything about it. I rode that train for weeks. When it went away, I got another hit of that high. She moved out, told her parents she didn't want the house, and to give it to her brother or sell it. Wouldn't tell them why. I always tell people asked about her that I hold no grudge, and don't tell them the part where I totally fucked with her so bad I overshot the got her backstage and hit the blissful state of satisfied with my work. My wife knows the story by heart because it's her favorite one to tell. And I can see why this is your wife's favorite story to tell because whoo that is awesome to just get your ex back like that and it be like mostly harmless but also just like did, did I hear things am I going crazy that is hilarious so yeah just awesome and our next story is also from Pro Revenge, by, posted by the user Call Me Swellington. I was fired for inadvertently stumbling on my boss's malfeasance. I used his obsession with golf and watches to get him fired. So, despite me, besides me not being able to say the word malfeasance, I don't know why I looked at it in my brain, which is like, nope, don't know how to pronounce that. So let's get this started and hope my brain can remember how to pronounce words and read. This was in the last throes of the analog mid-90s. Fax machines, FedEx, dial-up computing, and voicemail were the most common business tools. I was a young regional sales manager for a major branded co consumer product. I covered the grocery class of trade in 11 western states. My division worked out of Chicago and I had a home office on the west coast. I had made my reputation by typically making my quota and keeping costs within budget. I would get reassigned to struggling markets and more often than not, I would use usually make my sales number. Nothing too fancy, I just figured where the best opportunities were and concentrated on them. In those days, we had something called Market Development Fund, MDF, and as we called it, making days fun in the team before such things were deemed illegal. It was money we could literally use for almost anything you could imagine. Whining and dining, sending buyers to the Super Bowl, taking them on market research trips. I once took six honchos for a weekend of fishing in Mexico. As long as you had the receipts and your boss knew, except in cases where they specifically asked not to know, we were free to spend money as we saw fit. This was old school Mad Men style slush funds, all tax deductible. Typically, the NDF money was 2% of your total annual gross sales and was use it or lose it, meaning it had to be spent because it wouldn't roll over. I always had some left over as a team player. I would let my boss, Sasquatch, know so he could use it. No big deal. Towards the end of the year, my weekly FedEx pack from the company started including sign-offs for payments to a supplier I'd never heard of before. 
What was weird is they were for a demo company that wasn't one of my regional suppliers. If you have ever been offered a sample or coupon in a grocery store, that was a demo company. I called the broker slash agent in the mar in that market and learned that they had never used the company or even heard of them. I finally figured out that they were from Sasquatch and that he had thrown them in with my other sign-offs. I called him and asked if he knew what they were. He said that they should be assigned to my MDF and not to worry about them. This was a little unusual because demos would normally be taken out of other monies or came down from marketing. Whatever, I signed off on them. Hung out to dry. About three months later, I was called into HQ for a meeting where I was told I was being transferred to a market that I had never worked before and would be required to relocate. At the time, my wife was pregnant. Read her pro revenge story in my feed. And we just started an expensive remodel on our newly purchased house. The company had some relocation benefits, but it was just too hectic to pull up roots and move to the southeast. I declined the offer and was told that I could look for another job within the company or receive a severance package. I wound up taking the severance. The truth comes to light. Several months later, one of my ex-coworkers told me that my region had been taken over by one of Sasquatch's past work associates, who he managed to get hired in my spot, and that the region was tanking badly. Nothing made sense. Why was I terminated and then replaced by someone who lived in another city and couldn't do the job? I started to think in my naivety that I may have put a target on my back after some research and digging, which was much harder before the internet. I learned that the demo company billing the MDF was based in my ex-boss's previous city and was just a P.O. box, a telephone, and a DBA registered by the new person in my job. I later found out it was his girlfriend slash mistress. I was livid. Like most people, I tend to plan revenge in my head, but never really go through it. Most of the time, it's a coping mechanism and not very useful in moving on past being wronged. But this was so egregious, so uncalled for, and so disruptive to my life that I felt I had to get even. My plan evoked evolved to take this guy down. Whatever the time it took, whatever the cost it, in lives or money, I was going to get this mofo. I may have been able to rat him out to the company, but they might have dismissed my complaint as coming from a disgruntled ex-employee with an axe to grind. The hook. I decided that I was going to approach Guy as a phony recruiter, not just a guy collecting resumes, but as a retained corporate head hunter, someone paid to onboard people for big jobs. I had spent a year early in my career working for a super exclusive headhunting firm and knew exactly what transpired in the process. My subterfuge required international tele telexes, phony letterhead, faked English accents, and overseas friends to do my bidding. Sasquatch was a Obsessed with expensive watches and golf, he played regularly and watched pro golf on both the TV and live. He would insistently chatter on about both subjects, debate him. I arranged for him to be approached 
for an executive position with a major Swiss watch company for a position tied to pro golf and other swanky sports sponsorships and included a shopping list of benefits and prerequisites. The job would require hobnobbing with major sports organizers, flying around the world first-class natch, and basically spending money over the job he could only dream of. The setup. In the slow and methodical long kong, I strung him along until the time was right to close with an author. The only catch was that he had to report to Switzerland for final offer and onboarding. I deliberately scheduled it for the week of the old jobs division meetings and reportings. They were mandatory and impossible to miss without raised red flags. Sasquatch was worried that his absence would be impossible to cover, especially if he was out of the country. The headhunting firms that they could move the appointment up a few days so that he would be able to attend his meeting, but that he would need to purchase an unrestricted business class seat and make his own hotel reservation. Save your receipt, and the watch company will reimburse you, as he was told. Sasquatch showed up to his swanky hotel suite using his own credit card for the money room and promptly received a note from the watch company that his appointment had to be rescheduled for the following Monday because of a major corporate crisis. Sasquatch called the phony recruiter in a panic about missing the corporate meetings back in the States. It was agreed that he would call in sick and that whatever happened with the old job, he was heading to a much greener fairways. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend in Europe. By Monday, you'll be in your dream job. The Sting While Sasquatch was cooling his jets in Europe, I nonchalantly called his boss, the president of the division, and casually asked for a reference on Sasquatch's work ethic and dates of employment. You'd be surprised how often this mistake happens. The president, to his credit, didn't tip his hand or act very surprised by the call. But like a good corporate wonk, he referred me to human resources. I let slip that he was in Europe finalizing his new job and that he'd already given the company notice. My bad. Bloody aftermath and how the revenge oversteeped its original mission. Eventually, I was able to put together the aftermath from old co-workers and people in the trade who did not know I was the revenge ninja. When Monday came and went, Sasquatch must have been apocalyptic. This is to be assumed since we had cut all communications to let him twist in the wind because we received at least 20 calls to the exchange and multiple faxes. Sasquatch hung around the hotel for a day or two and then finally decided to leave for home. I assume at some point he may have contacted the watch company, but I never confirmed it. When he finally got home, he found his office had been packed up and left with his wife. An HR person met him off-site to give him his severance and retrieve the car and other company property. I heard his wife left him sometime later, and his mistress was fired for theft. I figured he spent at least 10k on travel and hotel. Epilogue I wish I could say I tipped my hand and told Sasquatch that I was the offer of his demise, but it really served no purpose, and in theory may have exposed me to some retribution of my own. By my moral laud star, I got even with a thief who was content to steal and take my livelihood. That was plenty.
Felician Alzheimer's. Never forget an offense. Very humble that this blew up on those who have uh, on those who have slighted me. I'm not too proud to admit that there was some revenge plans that backfired or were never implemented. I'm on argument. I'm an argumentative. SOB and comfortable enough in my own skin to take a few random jabs and some healthy skepticism from Redditors. I defend myself in the hope that someone will learn that there are indeed times when revenge is appropriate. My real-world experiences come before the internet, doxing, ghosting, texting, social media, Google, and all the other stuff that makes people sure everything is a scam. I've had some fun and memorable experiences in my life. The story of Sasquatch is true and less complicated than you think. The key to any confidence scam, literally the word con, comes from confidence. It's the confidence the mark puts on the con artist. Sasquatch was a Swiss watch fanboy who wore expensive models and knew everything there was to know about rare watches and their complications. Additionally, he lived for golf, played golf, watched golf, anything golf. So when my real recruiter friend from the UK called him and said, my Swiss client is confidently putting together a hospitality slash ambassador position in the US, we are looking for someone who knows golf and other sports, knows watches and is comfortable, and is comfortable with high-level interactions at a six-figure salary with a huge travel budget, car and entertainment allowances. Free or low-cost access to the best watchers in the world and a budget to set up a small team of minions. How hard do you think it would be for him to recruit Sasquatch? A few faxes from a third party, a phone call or two, and some cobbled-together letterhead, and the guy was hooked. If Sasquatch harbored any concerns that it was fake, he certainly would have refused to lay out travel expenses. I myself have fronted travel money while interviewing, so it really wasn't much of a reach. I'll say that revenge isn't always pleasant, and sometimes I think it feels a little sickening. These are the consequences of this type of action. As I age, I agree to a certain extent that living well is the best revenge, but only after someone pays for what they did. And we will end this episode here. This revenge story was very long. But I think it was a fantastic revenge story all the same. I mean, that's one way of getting rid of a boss who replaces you with their mistress. And then kind of like self-sabotages their section. So I personally think it's amazing and fantastic. So thank you, Call Me Swellington, for the wonderful pro-revenge story. What did you guys think? Did y'all enjoy it? Uh, hopefully you're enjoying this podcast. Uh, and I will begin editing some of these podcast episodes into YouTube videos shortly, which will be posted on Monday onto my YouTube channel. So, yeah. Have a wonderful day. Make sure to stay bundled up and safe. And remember that sometimes revenge of any kind is just really, really sweet. So have a lovely day. Bye-bye.